Welcome to episode number 70 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We're creating a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about fire protection through thermal imaging and thermal radiometry. We're doing that with Rick Jeffress, Director of Business Development of Fight Corporation. Rick has over 20 years experience focused in industrial special hazards and fire protection, fire prevention. He's been with Fight Corporation for 10 years of that. Rick, I want to say a big thank you and want to thank you for coming on to the Dust Safety Science Podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. So I'm looking forward to this discussion on thermal imaging and its use in powder and, and bulk handling industries. Rick actually reached out to me a number of months ago, and we were talking through this um, new technology through FIKE using thermal radiometry. I'm using cameras to detect fire hazards, I'm sort of in the incipient stage before it starts to grow and preventing that. And we haven't covered this topic for quite a while on the podcast. I think the last time we covered something around this was episode 14 in Fire Hazards and Waste and Recycling Facilities with Ryan Fogelman. So it's been, uh, it's been well, almost a year now. So I want to have Rick on to talk through what are your fire protection options with thermal imaging? What does this look like? How are the systems implemented? Give some specific examples and results and just talk through this, this topic of fire protection through thermal imaging. So Rick, maybe a good place to start is just what is your, your role in Fight Corporation today? Well, my role with uh, Fight Corporation is I, I work primarily with the Fight Video Analytics product lines. They're specialized detection products, uh, including video analytics that monitor uh, video streams for smoke, oil mist, uh, dust clouds, reflected flame, and uh, smoke. So. Another product line is flame detection. It's infrared flame detection, triple IR, UVIR. Primarily used in uh, aircraft hangars and um, petrocam plants. The third is thermal radiometry that we'll be talking about today. That's uh, FLIR type uh, cameras measuring the actual temperature of surfaces. We're seeing a lot of applications for thermal radiometry in identifying a temperature anomalies prior to uh, the temperature reaching ignition point. So I'm, I'm involved with uh, special individual project fire protection hazard analysis, as well as development of detection solutions uh, with the current FIKE products and other emerging technologies. Yeah, thanks for the background, your role there. And so, as you mentioned, it there's really analytics. There's kind of three groups of tools or systems: analytics, which is used for smoke and mist, and then some other applications. Flame detection, which we we've, we've talked before on the podcast, similar to spark detection, and then this thermal radiometry, where you're measuring the surface of pieces of equipment or surfaces of specific areas. And using that then to, to determine when you have a, a temperature that exceeds some threshold value. And that's how it gets included into your, your powder and your bulk handling facility. Why would a facility handling powder and bulk materials consider using thermal imaging? What are the, the kind of applications there? If, if I could go over a couple of recent developments. Please, yeah. With the products first before we get on to that. With the video analytics, uh, we've tuned it to detect oil mist in the atmosphere. And uh, we've pioneered the use of analytics to identify oil mist in shipboard engine rooms. It's now a standard recommendation for high value ships 
and a corporate included in the corporate safety standards at companies like Carnival and Disney. So that's that's the analytics portion. We've also developed a solution for waste plants using triple IR flame detectors with HD video. So what we can do is identify the flame quickly uh, with no false alarms from the uh, heavy equipment moving or the sunlight, and we're able to connect that directly to a central station for quick uh, alarm monitoring. And they can also see the live video as well. So it's very helpful in response to be able to tell the fire department exactly where the event is taking place, you know, and keep them out of potential danger. So those are those are two developments with our technology that are pretty exciting. Uh, as as far as why would a, a facility handling powder and bulk materials use thermal imaging or thermal radiometry? We closely watch the the studies that you put out. Uh, one of the recent studies was shows that uh, 70%, 72% of the events are fires, and the fires can start out as smoldering material, material inside or outside of our process, and the remaining are explosion incidents that require heat or spark to ignite. So our goal is to identify the hot spots or areas of increasing temperature to remove the heat source behind the potential incident. Based on uh, the 2019 uh, 650 code, uh, 652 code, we can see that the, the committee sees benefit in monitoring the temperature of anything in the dust hazard that can reach combustion temperature, and that their goal with the new 2019 recommend, recommendations is to identify and remove the source of potential ignition. So the standard specifically requires that temperatures be kept at least 50 degree, 50 degrees C below combustion temperatures. So this is any part of the, the space and, or the process. But we're seeing a similar scenario uh, play out in the cruise ship market where new ships are worth uh, over a billion dollars. So we've been asked by uh, major companies to evaluate, evaluate engine control room hotspots and install thermal monitoring to identify uh, a potential ignition point. This can avoid uh, explosions from oil mist uh, that can cause loss of, of revenue, safety, credibility, and repairs. Thermal cameras measure the surface temperature of anything in their field of view and can cover a, a very large area. So this can cover many pieces of equipment or an entire process. If you look at the way that thermal couples are used, those are those are used at a point, monitoring just a specific point. But a camera can monitor a large area. Uh, one camera uh, that we use has a 45-degree field of view, and it can cover over 3,000 square feet of an unobstructed view. So specific hazards that can be monitored are, are bearings, silos, hoppers, big bags, dust collectors, process piping, and ductwork. You know, in the ductwork, you could have material uh, stuck at a turn, or uh, separate zones can be created on each camera to individually monitor specific processes and have a 
have unique alarm points per zone. So if you have, say, 20 pumps in, in a row or silos, few silos in a row, you can set up an alarm zone right over that process, and each one can have its own unique alarm temperature. In addition to having unique alarm temperatures per zone, each zone is measuring, the camera is measuring the temperature in each zone, and it's, it's storing that information, and it, creates a, a, it can create a graph of temperature over time so that you can use in predictive maintenance. So the cameras can be installed indoors or outdoors, and the thermal cameras can provide full recording if it's connected to an NVR, or provide videos of events. If, if the temperature increases over the alarm temperature, the camera itself records the event. Yeah, thanks for getting that summary. And I took a, I took a bunch of notes there. I'll dive into two things, actually, maybe even three things. Um, one, you mentioned the fires and the ex- versus explosions. I mean, fires being a you're seeing more fires in these industries than you see explosions just by the pure numbers. And we, we certainly see that with our instant reporting. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'd say there's probably an order of magnitude more fires. So that's 10 times more, maybe even 100 times more. I'd say somewhere probably in that range. When you start digging into the numbers, you start to see some interesting things like fires tend to lead more towards large facility damages in terms of equipment and property loss. And then fires also seem to be started in specific type of equipment. And then explosions tend to lead to more um, loss in terms of injuries and fatalities, sometimes less in terms of uh, dollar loss to damages. And they also seem to occur in more in silos and hoppers and things. So it's interesting to break that down. And it's important to both to focus on both of them, I think. And uh, what I'm hearing kind of you say is that, you know, there is a there is a big proponent on dust explosion protection, prevention, certainly isolating the explosion event, um, housekeeping and that. But it's also important to keep in mind trying to prevent these kind of fires from starting. And they can actually lead to a, an explosion as well. So it's interesting to see that all kind of tie together. And then you did mention FPA 652 has more broader coverage of controlling ignition sources, things like bearings, elbows and turns and ductwork, uh, hot spots and silos. And that's what this technology is really meant to help address. Um, so thermal radiometry is really meant to be able to look at the surfaces of those equipment or even the, the, the areas around those potential ignition sources and, and monitor that over time. And then you mentioned a couple of advantages. So it's not a single point source like a thermal couple, you're not just measuring temperature in one area, you know, you can have a broad view of a room or an area and look pixel by pixel at the different uh, temperatures and get a, you know, a broader view. You can also break into different zones. So zone one, zone two, zone three, Actually, that's probably not a good terminology considering how we use zones and explosion protection, <laughs> but zones in terms of, you know, set points, even though if you're going to have hot equipment running in one zone, then that may have a different set of set points than in another zone. And I really like that you get to record and have video of what's happening. So if you have a, a fire and it gets put out safely, um, or even if it doesn't, let's let's say it does um, cross our fingers on that, you can actually analyze the video and say, hey, how did, how did that happen? How did it come about? How did the responders respond? How did the team respond? Did an employee maybe that wasn't trained properly go and try to fight that fire? Well, that might be an issue next time. So there's a lot of information you get from those recordings. So I think those are all really advantages of these systems. You maybe dive into 
just so say I'm at a, I'm running a, a facility. It could be a waste facility or a powder handling facility. And I'm interested in trying to um, figure out how to implement one, implement thermal radiometry in my facility. How are the, like, what's the process to, to start to look how to implement this at my, my facility specifically? Right. So the first thing we'll do is we'll go into the site with an owner's expert and identify sources of ignitions or sources of hot hot spots. Uh, and then we'll back up, look at what the uh, best camera view is. Then we'll usually mark an X on the wall or the uh, beam or column where the camera will be located. And then we'll pri- prioritize the areas where incidents have occurred. Uh, the cameras will then be mounted, wire run back to a monitoring point uh, and a computer. Uh, the system is then monitored for about a week or so to identify uh, the normal temperature. And then we work with the end user to set alarm temperatures uh, above the normal temperatures. And as close to the normal temperatures as we can without having false alarms. And then we'll also have alarm outputs that could be 4 to 20 relay outputs. Uh, they'll be connected to a DCS or a PLC uh, or other monitoring equipment. The kind of question that came to mind there, do you ever find, because um, I've heard this with other equipment, do you ever find when you go in and do that process, you identify sources, you put the cameras in, you start recording to get your baseline, do you ever find that that's actually instructive to some facilities because their their baseline operation is actually having hot spots form up that aren't flaring and causing a fire? But then it's sort of like kind of eye-opening because you're seeing, oh, you're actually getting close to having a, an incident or you're having a near miss just in that pre-discovery phase, if you will. I know they can have that with other systems. Do you ever see that when you're working in a facility? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of times uh, we'll be asked to come out and bring a demo camera, so a demonstration of the technology within the facility. We'll set up the, the camera or even just hold it in our hand. Uh, and and uh, view around the space. And the customers are off, often uh, surprised at the temperature that they see in, in um, switchgear panels, looking at bearings. And, and they find other other ways to use the technology, even uh, looking at a, a water tank or another tank, and you can see the liquid level of the tank by the thermal radiometry. Yeah, that's interesting. You probably you can probably tell which you know which which mills need their bearings lubricated, and you know what what equipment has uh, not had its maintenance program run on it, just by the first cursory scan. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we talked a bit about how to implement the system. Do you have any specific examples of successful implementation and what the results have been? Sure. Yeah, indoors and outdoors, we've uh, set up the system monitoring piles of material that can self ignite. So outdoors, that has been uh, waste paper. Uh, could also have been, uh, could also, or other applications or piles of waste, uh, waste recyclable waste, residential waste, things like that. The primary hazard is is uh, products can, that can self heat within the pile. Identify hot spots. We're also monitoring um, silos, conveyors, pumps tire grinding operations and with that we're monitoring either a single process or 
multiple pieces of equipment like we discussed before. So um, one of the installations uh, was in a waste plant uh, using the uh, IIIR HD detector. The day after we installed the detector, there was a small fire that occurred and it was recorded by the video. We recorded uh, or detected three fires in the last four months that the system has been uh, in place. And uh, safety management of, of our customer found that the first fire was not reported. So they were able to uh, go back, perform some training with their operators to make sure that they report everything that happens. And having the video allowed them to easily investigate the incident cause and evaluate and improve the response measures. So they did have fires. We had videos of those fires uh, on the system. They were able to go back, evaluate the cause, what led up to it, and the response. They they ended up making changes to the way that their their respond responders uh, responded to the incident. Yeah, that was kind of the the next question I had was around what happens when you do detect a fire or increase in temperature. Is there a way the operators get notified, or what's that process look like? Sure. So. Uh, the systems that we use, uh, we implement, they can record the, the, the video directly on the detector itself uh, and or on a computer. Uh, and most of the systems have uh, a computer that, that has live video of, of all the detectors or can pop up when there's an alarm of the video uh, of the camera that uh, the alarm is occurring on. So the steps would be when the temperature increases past the alarm temperature, the camera will pop up on the screen uh, and then whatever monitoring equipment uh, is used will usually have an alarm, uh, audible, visual. That makes sense. And so, yeah, we went through the process. We talked about why why it's important to monitor fires and, and to detect them before the incipient stages. We've talked about some of the advantages of using thermal imagery or thermal radiometry, talk about how to implement these systems, um, what are the actual steps, some example results. What are some important considerations? Like what are some things that facilities might get wrong in implementing this technology or what are some things that they need to be thinking about if they're going to go down this path? Well, one of the things that, that I would recommend, uh, with thermal radiometry, the cameras are monitoring temperature. So uh, in some locations uh, where you have heavy equipment, you want to make sure that forklifts, heavy equipment, front-end loaders, you want to make sure that your cameras are looking at the equipment itself and won't have uh, something like a front-end loader go in front of it because the thermal radiometry is going to key in on the engine or the exhaust and give you false alarms from that. So we want to be specifically and closely monitoring the equipment. Also, any dust or fire hazard should be evaluated for potential hot spots. And, and when they're performing the, their DHA, we recommend that, uh, especially for new installations where the code requires uh, temperature monitoring, they they consider the the uh, 652 recommendations. 
know, facilities that that know their risks, they can be- benefit from a specific evaluation. Um, and, and like uh, regional sales managers or business development managers, they're all experienced in the processes, the DHA and our technology and can help with site evaluations. Oh, that's perfect. So yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking through fire protection through thermal imaging, um, thermal radiometry, just giving a background of this technology. As I said, it's something we haven't talked about in the podcast very often, at least not for, for almost a year now. And it's interesting to get an update on that. So I appreciate you coming out. Is there anything else you want to leave off with before we uh, end, the, end the call for this interview? No, that's it. We appreciate the opportunity to uh, discuss this with you, Chris, and uh, thank your audience for listening. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate you coming back on and and hopefully we can get you back on the podcast in the future as well. All right. Thank you. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Rick Jeffress, and we've been talking about fire protection through thermal imaging. Um, We've been talking about the Fight Corporation solutions to to actually detecting these in these sort of systems. So we talked through why a company should consider thermal imagery and thermal radiometry, why detecting temperature upset conditions, can, how that can actually go about making the facility safer, how it's required through NFPA 652 compliance. We talked about the advantages of these types of systems, things like having a broad view of your entire space, being able to cut the area up into different zones and have different set points, the ability to actually record what's happening, get an idea of you know, the history of, of each incident and be able to analyze that and improve those systems, improve employee response, improve company response to that as it happens. We talked about how to put the systems in and we talked about example results that people are getting. Um, so I really appreciate Rick coming on. We'll have his contact information in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 70 for this episode, or at least we'll have a way to contact him there. I'm um, also have links through to the FIKE website and uh, I believe we'll also have some links through to his to the thermal imaging cameras and the systems that we've been talking about in this podcast episode. So I want to thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast this week. I hope you have a great week ahead. I hope you stay safe and productive out there. I appreciate everything that you do in industries handling combustible dust here in North America and around the world. 